You're listening to a DM podcast. Hello and welcome back to Beyond the Likes. It is your host, Amy Gerard. I am in the podcast today with a very special woman. Um, her name is Jules Kasia. Kasia. Oh, shit. <laughs> Kasia. I was like, which one is it? I always try and I normally Nobody check. And right. then I, a lot of people will say Amy Gerard or Gerard. Yeah, like Ger- it's, Gerard. It's, Ger- it's not Gerard, guys. Like, like Rianne or Ryan? <laughs> Exactly. It's definitely Rian. You know that. Definitely Rian. Um, how are you? I'm great, thank you. How are you? I am. I am. I'm a little dusty. I had a girlfriend's birthday yesterday. Oh, nice. Love a Sunday sesh. I, it was. You know what though? The weather was horrendous. Yeah. It was freezing cold. It was so cold. What? I mean, climate change is legit. <laughs> One minute it's boiling hot, then it was freezing yeah. cold, and now it's hot again. Wearing yeah. singlets and t-shirts. I know. I was like, I'm literally sitting here, and I'm actually not even wearing a bra today. <laughs> Let the girls out. I. I think I'm in a maternity bra. <laughs> I literally, yeah, yeah. I'm are. in a maternity bra. I still live in my maternity bras and my Aww. big maternity undies. Um, so Jules has brought me in some chocolate crackles. <laughs> so, such a mum thing to do. Was I there? Know. Did you just make them on the weekend? Yeah. So Mila's been really sick. She had yeah. this bad cold last week, and oh, now no. she's got this cough, and it's just yeah. nonstop. And on Saturday, she was like, "What did she say?" She said, oh, "I'm just bored." I'm so bored. And so we yeah. made like my husband's like heaps of bananas. Made banana bread that didn't end very well. Yeah, <laughs> I made chocolate crackles yesterday, um, but we had so many. I was like, I need to bring I, these. I'm bringing. Can and I? I know that you love treats. I love treats, but I don't know how I feel about you trying it. I won't do People it. You might never eat my cooking again. <laughs> People also hate. Like I've been given feedback that I'm allowed to drink on the podcast because they don't like the swallowing alcohol. Sound. No, <laughs> and you know what? I get it. People are funny with like. The swallowing sound. Like my son was eating a banana this morning and he was like, yes, the chewing And I was like, sounds. fuck, I've got to leave the room. Yeah. I, I, I wanted yeah. to like headbutt something. Yeah. Or okay. like crump. I feel like crumpets. The it sounds squishy. like a giraffe. Mm. Yeah. Oh, people are going to hate me. <laughs> okay. So well, the reason I wanted to get Jules on and, you know, we spoke about this mm. earlier, the start of the year mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. Is because you have a little girl. Yes. What is her name? Miller or Milzy. Miller when she's in trouble. And she's seven. No, Eight. she's nine in oh, like a God. couple of weeks. I did some deep stalking on your Instagram and I saw like a seventh birthday, but maybe no, I no. missed the ninth. Oh, so she's so she's eight, and or two, you know, almost nine, mum. No, <laughs> almost nine. Like the last few months. Isn't it funny when you're a kid, you're always rounding up, and as you're an adult, you just just keep rounding down. Yeah, like, I if know. Anyone asks, I tell everyone I'm 34 still. Okay, so. I would love for you to tell us a little bit, well, for the listeners, to tell um, us a little bit about yourself. Okay. What is it that you do? I am a makeup artist. Yes. Amazing. A beauty coach. I'm a skin therapist. Still do a little bit of spray tanning, uh, but I'm also a Reiki healer and a breathwork facilitator. So you're a, like you're juggling a few different balls. You're wearing a few hats there. Yeah. So I used to work in comms and events, marketing and advertising for a really long time. Oh, wow. And then miraculously fell pregnant. Yes. And when you say miraculously, why was it a So miracle? I had like a quarter of an ovary and no eggs, apparently. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And was always told I couldn't have children naturally. Yep. And Dan, my husband, was the first man I was ever with that 
wasn't afraid of when I said, I remember I sat him down one day, like a couple of weeks in going, yeah. this is my reality. Yeah. And he said, would you explore like um, surrogacy? I, I said I wasn't extremely comfortable with that yep. at that point in time. But I, I said, no, I do adoption. I grew up partly in foster homes myself. So yeah. I would love to have been able to do that. But I said, I'm also willing for us to actually give things a shot and see yep. where we go. Yep. Um, and he was great. He was like, whatever works. I was a bit stunned. I think I was almost... It probably threw you off guard, but also... Almost was, made me run. In yeah. a way. I was like, I think I said, I need a moment. I think I left him sitting on the bed and left the house. Oh, actually, no. was like, I just need a moment. He sounds like a keeper, though. He's a good man. And now you're married. Yes. And now you have a daughter. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And so your daughter, yeah. she has been diagnosed with autism? Yes. So the correct full diagnosis, which I don't cling to a lot in yeah. all elements of our, say, therapies and medical side because there's a lot of... Um, there's a lot of similarities. Yes. And for God's sake, we're all on the spectrum. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Yep. Yeah. So she has a diagnosis of autism level two, highly functioning. Yep. So a lot of people think autism level two is actually where you won't, um, you, you can't do a lot of the things that Miller can do. How many levels are there? There's three? There's three and then they kind of go on to a fourth. It just depends on the doctor, the psychologist, of course. Yep. where you are in the world. Yeah. We're quite behind. Okay. America's very America and Germany are quite yeah, okay. advanced. Yep. Opposite defiance disorder. So we say the sky is blue. She'll be like, it's black today because she feels like it. Yep. Uh, gravitated anxiety disorder. Yep. And ADHD. And ADHD as in like the hyperactive or more the inattentive? Uh, hyperactive, but then the autism makes you inattentive. Gotcha. So that's why I say I don't cling to a lot of those diagnoses. Yep. And even her current psychologist is like, well, that's parts of autism and that's parts of, you know, opposite defiance and anxiety are parts of autism and ADHD is parts of autism as well. So it's like... Where do you, where do you sit? Which one do you which one do you do you attach yourself to? Yeah, and even she like when she talks about it, you know, it's I think she's a bit more focused on that she has autism. Yep, she is not autism. Exactly right. Yes, her, but she is going through a part of her life right now where she's having to learn that it doesn't define her. Yeah, and that the society we're in is a little bit, dare I say, unforgiving. Yeah. Because then we're not educated. That's right. And I think the the biggest piece around these labels that people like to, you know, put on themselves and stuff is that there isn't enough education, right? I think mm. that I obviously none of my children have um, – I haven't had them diagnosed or gone down that path. But I do have girlfriends that mm. have – um, one of my girlfriends, her son has been diagnosed, I think stage two as well, mm-hmm. um, on the spectrum. And she's been an absolutely incredible advocate for him. Like mm, she yes. has learned so much and she's like, he's he's a wonderful kid um, with autism. And it's just that he's slightly mm. different in certain things, but she advocates for him so incredibly well. Whereas another one of my girlfriends, when she I think the term was just thrown around loosely in a few sessions that she had and she really, really struggled with it. Um, of course. Of course, right? Like and I've got goosebumps listening to yeah, this for her. That's right. And I and she she instantly started to grieve the life that she thought 
he was going to have and the life that she thought that she was going to have raising him. And it's interesting watching both sides, watching both kind of ways that both of those those girlfriends have handled it. And neither is right or wrong. Like I feel like you would both, I feel like you go through ebbs and flows and you go through all of the emotions. But I do think the girlfriend of mine who has taken it kind of head on, and I think she, there was definitely a grace period there where she really struggled and mourned and cried. And and then she kind of was like, right, I'm just going to get on the front foot. Mm -hmm. I'm going to put things in place to help him. Mm -hmm. And he's just flourishing. Um, So what what was the ages, what was the age of Miller when you, was there a certain period where you started noticing things that you were like, oh, I might look into this? Uh, So from the moment I was pregnant? Oh, wow. I didn't know what it was, but I had, I always get this term wrong. Um, Is it hyperemesis? Where you were sick the entire time. Oh, like vomiting the whole time. And like, you know, that was what, Nine, nine. She was, you know, she was premature as well. So like what, nine and a half years ago, and you know, I when I found out I was pregnant, we found out when I was ten weeks. Oh wow! Okay, cool. And I was working in a environment with clients, etc., where I couldn't, I, I couldn't stand the smell of anything. My three favorite things: oh. champagne, <laughs> coffee, and oh. oysters. Oh, I couldn't even could... walk into a bar or go into a coffee shop. And I was in a client-facing role with a huge yeah. team underneath me. Yep. I had that condition and I had preeclampsia. And oh I gosh. after, I think I collapsed at work maybe once or twice. And then you know, my now husband weren't married at the time, but he was like, that's enough. Oh, my god! And then I was also quite alone in that time because he was still living his own life and yep. his own journey. And, yep. you know, he... Um, was very successful in what he was doing yep. and, you know, still off with doing things that you do when you're younger. Of course. And so I just knew she was born at, I was it strong, 33.5 weeks. Size of my hand. Oh. Um, I went to labour three times prior. Yeah. The last time they were like, it's not that I actually needed a stitch, it's that she just did not want to fucking be in there. She was like, let me out. She broke my ribs when she was in there. She would literally sit up underneath my left boob, up into my ribs. We gave birth, and even that day, like, it was – there was someone else that was actually, like – this explains a lot about who I am as a person. Yeah. There was someone else that was meant to go in after me. Mm-hmm. She went into natural labour, and she was meant to have a cesarean, and they came and asked me permission. Now, I wasn't going numb. They'd given me a spinal block – um, three and several epidurals, I could still feel the everything. pinpricks, everything. My yep. niece is the most beautiful woman. She's done a few other procedures for me. She was pacing. She's like <laughs> this little gorgeous woman, Jenny, <laughs> five kids. Um, and she's like, oh, my God, like, this is not okay. Like, why? And this woman went into labour and then I went into labour. And I was meant to have a, a caesarean. So then they had to rush. And, you know, one of the biggest things that my obstetrician, who's amazing, who's one of the best obstetricians in Sydney, is now retired, but he was incredible. He had five kids himself and he was like, just remember that babies, when you have a cesarean, don't cry. Yeah. Sometimes up to one minute. Oh, really? So I, I haven't had any cesarean. So wait, so they bring the baby out and sometimes they just don't make any noises? Yeah, so you're waiting. Like, yeah, because you're waiting for that like, ah! yeah, And yeah, I was yeah. holding my breath. I found out I had to give birth like two days before. Why did you have to give birth early? So preeclampsia, um, oh, yeah, course, yep. uh, but I was just, I had a really good day. Yeah. They always say that you have the they best do. day yes, beforehand. You do. Um, and I went driving and I wasn't allowed to drive and oh. I had a massage <laughs> and I was great. And then I had a heart monitor on me. I had a heart monitor on her. I had to do daily like urine samples and different things. And my obstetrician called me and said the next okay. day, 
you need to come in and see me. Yep. And then I just didn't leave, basically. Yeah, I went okay. home and then that was it. Our pediatrician was incredible. She had a tongue tie. He cut that straight away. My husband really yeah. punched him out. Yeah. <laughs> he just said, I've saved you several thousand dollars in speech therapy. Yes. But even that, like, triggered my brain. Like, And I yeah. was laying there and... Amy, I didn't even cry, babe. Like, I was in so much shock. shock but I was very ill myself. I didn't cry and Yeah, you would have been so exhausted. So exhausted. Did not sleep most of my pregnancy. <sighs> yep. They gave me different types of sleeping tablets that I was like, can I have these? And they're like, yeah, they're pregnancy safe. Nothing worked. Mm. And one of my oldest friends, Beck, she was actually outside, like, waiting to support me. The next thing I know is she's gone. They've mm. taken her Miller's take they've been, they've taken Miller to go up into the NICU. Yep. And then my husband's gone. And then they're all moving really quickly. And my obstetrician's making a few jokes about things just to try to keep things light. They're giving me apple juice in the middle of the theatre because I couldn't stop vomiting and my blood pressure went so low. Oh. And but in I I just wasn't I wasn't in my body. I just had this feeling. And everyone kept telling me. She's amazing. She's just really little. She's incredible. She's doing so well. You should be so grateful. And it was just there. There was something there for me. And it just didn't leave. Well, you know, people talk a lot about mother's intuition. And I am a huge, huge believer. Like, it's not just this term that people throw around. Like, Instinct. It is. It is an instinct that lays dormant within you, usually until you do give birth. And then it's like, like I have gone against doctors with my own daughter. I've Same. gone against, uh, I'm not saying that that's the right thing to do. Don't come for me. Yeah, but it's, I it's, have a, it's honest... a preference. But they're also learning. It, it is science, but they're just doing what they've learned. What they've learned. Exactly right. And so a lot of the time, and I speak to any friends of mine who've become new mums, I'm like, it's there yeah. and you've got to lean into it. And sometimes, like, there'll be a lot of head noise, but ultimately if you can really think about what your gut is telling you, what your, like, maternal intuition is telling you, I, I really do feel like you know the right thing for mm. your kid and you know when to push and you know when to back off and you know when oh you know when you feel comfortable with an answer and you know when things and I, aren't right i love that you went there yeah because then for a long time yep my voice was shut down yeah i was told yep that it was all me yeah until the day she was diagnosed yeah does that does it make you angry okay <laughs> so angry to the point where you just we can punch stuff up. <laughs> we'll that. smash some glasses somewhere <laughs> in the great. alleyway out the back. You can go get those plates. Like yes. The like the Greek yeah. clay plates. Yes. And they yeah. just drop. They're, have you ever done that? I have. It's so amazing, isn't it? Except so cool. I didn't use the clay plates. I was throwing the cutlery and the, I was at a Greek wedding and they were like, stop throwing the fucking plates at me. Anyway. Yeah. it's it, it, But it was people closest to me. Yeah. And there's been a lot of friendships that have come and gone. Yeah. And even one to where one of my best friends was pulled aside by some former friends where they were like, we think she's doing it to her. Oh, as in like, what do you mean doing it That I'm it creating to... this problem, I've created it, it's all in my head and they're oh, afraid. Wow. We've had family members that have said I've caused the autism. Oh, my God. It's a, gen it's a genetic disorder. Wow, that's... Um, or it cannot be. It can be just a gene mutation. Yep. I got tested because I actually thought, but it was just PTSD and trauma from my childhood. Yeah. But I was trying to... I convinced our testing psychologist, she's like, Jules, you've gone through a lot in your life. And I'm like, just do it. But the 
fact that you've even had to do that or, or be made to feel that you have to do that mm. is kind of disgraceful, to be honest. And it takes the it takes the focus away from the fact that we're spending all this time focusing on she's crazy, she doesn't know what she's talking about, she's just got postnatal depression, which I was diagnosed with, but then that actually got chat, kicked out the window when because I could I could do everything. I could take care of my baby. And a lot yeah. of people who post on depression that severe can't. I just couldn't do anything else. Yeah. I couldn't deal with the bullshit of all of these people. Yeah. Milzy last night pulled out this book that I bought her that it's like all things about her and dad. So she was like, how, like, what time was I born? And then, you know, even things like, you know, what was I like in the first year? And I said, you are fucking amazing. Yeah. You were the best baby ever. She had really bad reflux. Even when she was sick, she was happy. Aww. She was so happy. Yeah. But something was there. Yeah. She walked before she crawled. Um, she had the reflux was extreme. We had to have special made formula for a while. We went on cow's milk early because it just seemed to sort out her reflux. We fed her earlier than what we wouldn't meant to on solids. She had problems with her tonsils really early on, grommets. Yeah. A cough that wouldn't go away. But then I was told that I had this amazing perfect baby and I should be grateful that was in the NICU for three and a half weeks or something. Yeah. And I was in ICU for two. Oh, and I was so sick to the point where a couple of days I couldn't even literally walk in to hold my baby and only one person could touch her a day for a couple of days. So <sighs> 10 months old though, I'll never forget that day. She woke up. Yeah. And I, she knows this, I can say this. The devil woke. Angry. It all just came just... out. She was just different. Just something changed? Something changed. And they say that's a really key developmental age, like ten. that nine, 10 months old. Yeah, they have like a regression there yeah. and everything. Yeah. But then all of a sudden we're not sleeping. They're not feeding. Um, <laughs> you're not eating. You're not, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's all these things and it just kept going. Like I didn't have a mother's group. Yeah. I had been allocated one obviously but then because, everything had happened and then they yeah. sent me to another one and then that when I went, went to arrive, one of the, the children had been had been diagnosed in the clinic with meningococcal. Oh, gosh. So okay. they were the first to grab me and go, you need to leave because yeah. Melanie was only seven weeks old but yep. was the size of a two-week-old baby. Yeah. And... You know, I then went to another one and they were just, it, it just didn't feel right. Disjointed. Just didn't tell. It, uh, look, I got put in one when I first had Charlie and I went to two and I really struggled. And yeah. I, like, I pride myself on being able to talk to pretty much anyone and everyone. Yeah. And I feel like I'm pretty friendly. It was, a, it was a weird, disjointed kind of feeling and I essentially just started my own. So, oh, wow, I love that. Yeah, so when I had Charlie, I had two other girlfriends. Um, we'd all had babies within like a six-month period of each other mm. and it was just the three of us. Beautiful. And thankfully we all lived close by and we just um, – Jane had had her daughter a couple of weeks before I had Charlie. She was our ringleader. She was also like – you know, your first bit trial and error, but she was just, uh, she led the charge and I was like, what does this mean? What do we do now? But they all they were all so different. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, then I had with Bobby, I just started my own when I moved back to the Shire and I started with like three girls and then they brought some girls along and they brought some girls along. It's been going now for like four or five years. So a lot of people amazing. go back. It is nice. So you can amazing. come to mine. Oh, I'll definitely we don't even come. catch up now with the kids. We just use an excuse to that. go out for a lunch. Yeah, and that's the thing I think is that you've got that connection that yep. your kids 
kids are actually growing up together as well. Yeah. So at what age can a child be diagnosed? So I then, like, quick snapshot, we went on a journey where, well, I went on a journey where I, the behavioural tantrums were just next level. Like, what kind of next level? Because I, my middle child, he threw some hectic tantrums my way. Like, all day, every day we're talking. Oh, like, constantly. Constantly. Like, okay. you know, about... There's fabrics and the temperature oh, of milk. Like sensory Sen- There's lots stuff. of sensory stuff, but just everything. It mm-hmm. was about anything and everything. And if something doesn't just right. And then I remember someone, I don't know who it was, someone called me that had her for us. And they were like, oh, my God, she's asked me 30 times in five minutes the same question. I said, uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I remember that. I remember I looked over emails recently and I remember from about age 20 months yeah. to about three and a half, four I'd email our paediatrician at 5 a.m. in the morning when she'd had another pe- another meltdown and was screaming, yelling. We did all these testing. There was challenges at daycare. And there was just lots of stuff going on. And then there was lots of stuff going on around us in terms of how we as, a, as parents were navigating what was going on. Yep. We didn't have a lot of support. Yeah. I went I went back to full-time work. Yep. But probably because you were just so burnt out, right? Yeah. Because you and- just didn't know... You weren't getting any help or you... Yeah, there was just so much going on. And so I never thought she had autism. Mm -hmm. In fact, one of my best friends now, I've known her husband a really, really long time, and they've got several children, they've got different conditions on the Mm -hmm. spectrum, et cetera. And I remember him telling me something had happened where um, one of their children had been diagnosed with a spectrum condition. Amy, I had to to Google it because I... it was a shortened version of a spectrum condition because, and I was like, I am so undereducated. Yeah. I have a business degree. I'm quite a smart human being. I was like, but you had to heard Google about this. this. Yeah. And then I started looking into it. When she got diagnosed that day, I read that report mm-hmm. and I was like, no, she doesn't have autism. This is what you were saying. About Miller. I knew something was going on. Yeah. Goosebumps saying this. I knew something was going on. Yep. Now, my husband was on a work... I think he was on a boat for work. <laughs> yep. And I got, I got the report and I couldn't tell him. I don't think I told anyone, actually, for mm. 24 hours. You just sat with it. And she had already moved from a different school. She'd been at a very smaller school. There'd been some massive challenges there with a bullying situation Mm -hmm. um, where she was accused of bullying. It came out later on that it was both children that were going Mm -hmm. through it. And then the school wasn't supportive of what was happening at the time, even though they liked to say it out loud to me that there was challenges and things and have I thought about ADHD and dyslexia and all these things. We moved to this school that we're at now. Yep. And I remember even the teacher that day had called with a problem and I opened the report when she was on, when I was on the phone to her. And I was just like, no, no. Because for me, even I was like, she doesn't seem like it. And that's what everybody says. Everybody goes, it's, oh, no. And like, she doesn't, she doesn't appear that way. That's right. But that's where it's so when I think heartbreaking. And this is, and this is probably a really um, poor, uneducated view. But like, I remember growing up when I was younger, when you think of autism, you think of someone who can't make eye contact with you and is over there in the corner rocking. Mm. And mm-hmm. like, that is the absolute yeah. extreme version of that. Yeah. And in fact, a lot of my friends whose kids have also recently had a diagnosis are fully functioning normal yeah. kids who have crazy outbursts. Like, I mean, 
you could probably say Bobby is because he's he really struggles yeah. to regulate his emotions. Yeah, Kobe, I'm pretty sure his speech <laughs> person has just told me he's got pretty hectic sensory issues. Yeah, she was like, you also might have sensory issues. I definitely have sensory yeah. issues. I touch everybody. But we all do in yeah. some way. And there's people that don't touch anyone as well. That's you know exactly. Like, well, that's the opposite of it, right? opposite of it. So, yeah. But you've also grown up. Yeah. And you've learned to cope. That's right. And I know that, like, you know, there's a lot of podcasts at the moment as well where there's, you know, particularly it's a big subject with, you know, females and yeah. ADHD and PMDD yes. and women coming out and they're, they're being diagnosed. But then oh. that diagnosis and that awareness of not only natural ways but modern ways really supports them because they felt so alone for such a long time. Yep. My whole world now is about advocating not only for her yeah. but for everybody around me, creating this awareness that yeah. we're all on the spectrum somewhere. Yes, absolutely. And we've all got our little idiosyncrasies, but that's what makes us fucking amazing. Absolutely. Imagine if we were all exactly the same. Yeah. Hey. One of the hardest parts of the diagnosis is that it's a label. Is it a helpful one? Sometimes, yeah. I like, think if you've even asked her, she could ask, if if you, she was in here, you could ask her that question. Yeah, and she'd be like, "Some days, yeah, <laughs> some days not." And she like, so she has um, a weekly psychologist, we yep. have family psychology. She has weekly emotional speech therapy. Yep, uh, because it's all about understanding your thoughts and feelings and emotions, and that helps with your regulation. That helps with your understanding of cues with others. She's extremely empathetic. Yeah. She's extremely kind. I am really focusing on her being in her body at the moment because she's not so much in her body and then that's when the decisions and then sometimes the poor choices that happen. And that's where it gets challenging with relationships for her Mm -hmm. because she's a big hugger. She's just working out her place in the world as well. And also, like we all are. Exactly. And she's also still young, right? Yeah, yeah. I feel like... I truly don't feel like I grew into my own body and developed this level of self-confidence until I was in my 30s. Like I was all over the joint, insecure, like hormonal, loads of imbalances, got bullied. Like Yeah, same. So wait, back to you when you've opened this report and you're like, no. (laughs) And I've just paid several thousand dollars for all of it. And, you know, we've spent... Tens of thousands of dollars on, on, all, of on all of these, you know, doctors and things. And don't get me wrong, it's also not about my, not just about my opinion. It's just that my gut didn't feel right. Let's just say if she was my husband, I would have, we would be divorced. Of course. But yeah. you can't divorce your own child. No. We've got to this report level. And I thought ADHD, sensory processing, thank God for our testing psychologist, one of the most amazing psychologists. And the things that I told her on the phone when we first spoke, she said, Jules, none of this phases me. So this report, going back to this report, so, but then it's like, does that, do you let that define you? Right. And then you've got the whole other juggle of, you know, NDIA and funding. Yes. Et cetera. And because it's starting to cost a huge amount of money. But at the same time, and, you know, we are quite extremely privileged, but at the same time, it's like NDIA gives you options to other things that you don't even know about. But then you're told to go into these meetings and appointments to talk about your worst day all the time. And then doctors don't seem to pay any attention. A lot of doctors, ours do now. 
you know, I have a spreadsheet with medications. I have a spreadsheet of every doctor we've seen. We've seen over 22 pediatricians. Oh, my gosh. We've had 10 psychiatrists. Different ones or, like, ones that you see for specific... No, different ones. Different you ones because she doesn't get along with them or you just haven't felt like they're the right person They're for the her? right person. Um, she jumped up on a, on a pediatrician's table because she was so hyperactive and broke a stethoscope and the pediatrician said, I still don't know what's going on with her. <laughs> and that was after a diagnosis. And Good. I was like... Okay. Okay. And then one of my girlfriends whose, you know, child is on the spectrum, she got me into this pediatrician. Yeah. And as soon as I saw him, I was like, okay. He, you know, and he listens. Yeah. He'll say to me, okay, Jules, get your spreadsheet out. <laughs> Love that you got a spreadsheet. All the medications. So important, right? Therapies, like what's worked, what's not. I even sent him an email yesterday, just give an update about a few different things. And I had to give, you know, this is about the behavioural, these are the challenges she's got currently with some bullying. Yeah. These are the things that are happening that we didn't even know about for a long time. So I've been very open with, with people I thought were my friends. That has come back to burn to bite you on the ass and Miller. Oh, that's really disappointing. And it's quite painful. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the beautiful part about, I guess, that I, I share so much is that it's creating more education. Absolutely. A lot of things have come to light over the last kind of year or so with yeah. certain people around her that she thought were friends and not friends. And we've realised that it's actually the things that have been kind of sometimes happening to her, not all the time. Yeah. Because no child's perfect. That's no, they <laughs> certainly aren't. Yeah. And I'm the first to go, what's she done? Yeah. Oh, I, you know what? I just think school is such a... Mind-blowing a, place. It, it really is. And I think I spoke about this a few pop, podcasts about it. Like, I did say thought kindergarten was going to be ring a ring a rosy <laughs> and fucking everyone's building, like, daisy chains for their heads. And the drama and the politics that come with girls in school, it is just... I don't remember my mum ever dealing with this kind of shit. I don't know whether she just turned a blind eye to it or maybe I didn't talk to her or maybe, you know, I do feel like parents are much more heavily involved now and they're more onto it. But, like, it it, it was nothing like, I've got, oh, and Charlie didn't do this and she's leaving this person out and Charlie's in tears and and I've got calls from the school and I'm just like, I this is absolutely, and she's only in year two. The last four years, some months. That's been my every day, two, three times a day. Oh, it's just... Sometimes the school will call and I'll go, this is our fifth call this week. What have you done to talk to her about it? Where was the call three days ago? One of the biggest questions that I really feel that should be reworded. Mm. So generally when children act out at school, school just believes it's home. Yeah. So their question to me is, what's going on at home at the moment? And there's been a few times where I'm like, don't ask me that question. <laughs> because there's times when she comes home and it's been there's been times lately where she's not dysregulated. She's she's really sad because there's so many things going on where she just doesn't know her place in the world and that she's tried really, really, really hard in a lot of relationships around her. And I know she has. And obviously I'm not there at school watching it. But, you know, even they're saying, like, she walks away. She isolates herself. She says that's not kind. And then every child has a challenge. Yeah. And individual as individually, every child is beautiful, but you mm-hmm. put them into groups and packs. Mm-hmm. There's especially girls. There's challenges. So, yeah. what I would love people to think about: think about what your child's going through. Mm-hmm. If you're getting a phone call or you're hearing about something that's happened to your child, perhaps think about what what your child may have done as well. Absolutely, think that we're yeah. all humans. As grown ups, we have filters. Well, sometimes we do, and we all make mistakes. But they're yeah. reacting or they're responding. When I say responding, they're like. We don't say right or wrong in our house. We say best choice, 
poor Poor choice. choice. Yep. So I'm like, think about... And I do it to Miller. I'm like, honey, what's what could that person be going through? She had a certain situation at once at a birthday party many, many months ago where something happened. I said, what do you think's going on for her? Mm. And she said, I think there's some stuff like what I've gone through. And I was like, there you go, honey. Yeah. And I said, and excellent observations. Yeah. She's very aware. She's very in tune. I was going to say, it's really empathetic of her, yeah. especially as an eight-year-old, yeah. to be able to think of others like that and to 100%. be able to switch your thinking. Yeah. I feel like a, like I have this with my, my own husband. Like a lot of the time when he comes at me with things, it's always very defensive and yes. deflective. I don't know. I don't know. Is that a man thing? I don't know. Or it's just maybe my husband thing. I but think it I, might be a little bit of a man thing. <laughs> yeah. But I say the same thing with Charlie. Like yeah. Charlie had an issue only last week where her teacher came out and had a chat with me and she was like, it's just some girl issues. And I was like, well, talk to me about them because yeah. I want to understand. And so you can she, then talk to Charlie as well and understand so then where can, she's – That's exactly where, right. Where she's sitting out, what she's feeling. and That's exactly what I did. I, you know, I, I sat with her on the bed and I spoke to her and I said, you know, do you want to have a chat about this and how did that make you feel and do you think do – you, do you have any idea why she would have said what she said or blah, 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 blah. And, and then I was like, you know – is there any – do you want me to organise a play date with her? Or, like, I yeah, kind of tried to – Yeah, that's something I always do. Tried to find some solutions with her, but I, I didn't want her to go in back to school the next day with her back up and, like, mm. react. Yeah. Because, I mean, that's probably how Ryan would do it. Like, that's what Ryan would do. That's probably how my husband does it. <laughs> Has there been, like, a really big obstacle in, like – Oh, you're like, there's so many. <laughs> has there been one in particular that has – stood out from the others that you've had to overcome with Miller? Or is it just a daily thing, just a weekly thing? <laughs> is there always – are you always jumping hurdles? Always jumping hurdles. I think one of the biggest ones for me was I went through a period where I was putting – we were doing OT, speech, OT sometimes twice a week, mm. and she was very reactive, quite heightened. Heightened, yeah. And then – Weekly speech, weekly psychology, weekly family psychology. Yeah. And until Miller's diagnosis, I was doing everything in the house and working. What? Sorry, what age was she diagnosed? Five and diagnosis. a half. Diagnosis. Five and a half. Okay, yep. And a family psychologist sat us down and said to my husband, like, said to me, what's one thing that he can take off you? Because yeah. she went through everything and she's like, the mental load, the physical load, all the therapies. And he was doing his own journey. Yep. And it is. It, you really have to go back, not only with a child on the spectrum, but anyone where you have to the child's one of your greatest mirrors and you have to go back and work on your own little Amy little Jules because that's what's going on inside of you Mm -hmm. when you're seeing your child in so much pain in so much angst and where you're having to sometimes show pediatricians videos yeah and scenarios and and real time yeah so I realised that, and I had a person I was seeing, um, a kinesiologist. We had a coach at the time that we shared. I had my own psychologist as well, working through lots of things that happened to me when I was a child and just working through your stuff. Yeah. I'm a big believer that you go to a psychologist or a person of your choice, holistic, because yep. I'm now a holistic practitioner that people yep. come to once they've done enough talk therapy. They're like, I'm done talking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Get in my body. Yeah. Um, do it before the problem. Do it before it explodes. Yeah. But a combination of them supported me where... I realised I was doing everything for everybody else. And nothing for yourself? And absolutely fucking nothing for me. Mm. Yeah, I went to Pilates, which people would frown upon me for. And, you know, I worked, but 
I was wrong. I was on autopilot. Like it was just, it was on. And I, I was the only one that was actually, you know, doing everything for Miller at that point in time. My husband was working. He was going through his own stuff. I was the I was the one. I but was you, the primary carer. But you also you don't just take on all of the appointments and all of the care. You take on the emotional load yeah. and the worry and the you know you take on all of those things that you have the anxiety mm. all of that stuff. Like I lie in bed at night. My husband gets into bed. He's had his tibula. He's asleep within four seconds. Same. And I lie in bed and I think about 1,000 things. Oh, what have I got on this weekend? Have I booked that in? Have I booked the kids' teeth stuff in? Have I booked – like there is so much going on in my head. that. And then I'm bringing up bloody the news and, oh, the kids in Palestine and all this stuff that I – and it's just so – sometimes I have to just go down – double dump melatonin to put myself to sleep because I don't know how to switch off. But And then the first thing I do when I get up in the morning is I write myself a to-do list because I yeah, – it's usually when I'm the most like, oh, I'm actually like – I've got stuff going on and I can remember everything. Yeah, so get I it write out. myself a to-do and list. in front of you so you can see it. So it's out of your head and in front of you. Because an hour later I'll forget. Yeah, totally. Or it's stu- it goes back into the normal juggle and jumble. Yeah. The moment I started really diving deep and doing all the things for myself – Yep. And exploring where I was at, what I was feeling, what was coming up for me through, I did kinesiology, I did full holotropic trauma release breath work where I was doing two sessions a week for 10 weeks with one of my mentors, Davidson, who's just the most beautiful man. He is a shaman as well. And at one point midway through, I felt like I was actually giving birth again because I was releasing all of the trauma. Oh, I have goosebumps. I don't know a lot about this, yeah. but I've just recently seen a, f- a friend of mine, Daniel, who I would love to get on the podcast. He doesn't do – he does his thing and I can't not cry when I watch it. He, he like – He's he's yelling, mm. he's screaming, mm. but as he's yelling, he oh, it's so powerful. But screaming and those primal screams yeah. and that release and like breath work, I I did that and I was working for a company contracting at the time, helping them set up a different department in beauty and wellness, and I got to that part and I had this breakthrough and I woke up one day and I'm like oh my god and this was two years ago, mm. and then that put me onto the path of where I'm at, what I've studied. Mm-hmm. But now, like, people who haven't seen me for a long time mm-hmm. are like, you're a completely different human. Like, you're still you, but there's this huge release. And yeah. I was able to separate then and have conversations. I'm not saying I do it all the time. I had a conversation with a teacher this morning about something and I had to let them talk. <laughs> yep. And then I went, well, actually, no, it's for X, Y, Z, and this is what the doctors want to do. And they were like, oh. And so, but I was so in my body and I was like, yep, yeah, cool. And it's realising that not there's no one size fits all for everybody. So a lot of things had happened to get to that point, but it was a point where the morning routines, the nighttime routines, everything was the same. There was so much therapy that we just cut therapy. Yeah. And we brought Miller back into one-on-ones for self. We'd do drop-offs. I stopped OT. Um, And that was right for our family. And you've got to work out what's right for you. Yes. That greatest obstacle to answer that question is to come back. People need to take care of themselves. You need to come back to you. And, you know, I I know a few people have gone through marriage breakups when they've had spectrum um, diagnosis. It's very challenging. Um, You know, marriage is hard enough. Life is hard enough. And there's so much going on around the world where when you're a sensory attuned human, which I feel that I am, and I'm pretty sure you are as well, but Millsy is, 
is you feel so much. And then when you know about these things, it can cascade in your brain. And you might not just think about it in your head, you'll think about it in your body. So hence why I've done a full 360 in my career again. Like people like, how does makeup, being a makeup artist and doing body work and Reiki, I'm like, come and have your makeup done, have an experience with me because I sit you in the chair and I'm like, how do you want to feel about something as I'm massaging skincare into your face? Think about something that's a challenge right now. And by the time we're done, that you want to feel differently about it. You don't have to tell me. Or you do. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, the stuff that comes out. I would love to deep dive. I feel <laughs> like I need to get you back for another episode just to deep dive into that because I don't know enough about it, but I do know one of my girlfriends who lives up in Byron. Yes, <laughs> Queensland. She swears yeah. by it. Um, she had a very traumatic upbringing and she said it saved her. Mm. I think you said before, like, you haven't been... I forget the words, but you're like, you haven't been your true self. Mm. Probably for like until your 30s. Yeah. I'm like the last year. Look at you. You've and come into your own. Come into my own. And everybody around me, including, you know, close friends and family members now that I've had so many apologies lately where people are like, we're so sorry we did not know this. We're so sorry that we told you that you were crazy. We're so sorry that we went against you in your parenting. Does she thrive with routine? Yes, but No. So now whenever something's going to be completely out of routine, we have to spring it on her. Oh, like you can't give her notice because then she gets all in her head, right? Yeah, certain things that affect us because then it's like every day the anxiety gets higher and higher and higher. So now I just set everything up so it's so organised, like if we're to go away for a night. Yep. And we don't have a lot of support around us. So, you know, that's that's quite hard to orchestrate. So, you know, everything's organised. Notes, medications, punctured out, doctors lists, clothes, absolutely everything. And, but then she'll go to someone's house and they're like, she's amazing. So do you and she th- goes and cleans their whole house because she mm. likes order. Oh, God, what a legend. I wish I had one of those kids. And like toy was, rooms. I know. Yeah. She goes to one of her girlfriend's houses or her friend's house. And, and just tidies. Yeah. And organisers. Yeah. God love her. And then they call for mealtime. She's like, come on, everyone. <laughs> but then she comes home and she, um, she lets loose. Uh, because she's releasing. So but we all do space, that, right? Safe space, 100%. Yeah. And once you realise that, and even lately I've just started to realise that's her safe space. Like, yeah. But I'm also like, you can't be, like, you can't, I'm not your punching bag yeah. all the time. You've got, a, you've got so many tools. Let's talk about it. Yep. You've got ways of, of coping. The conversation she has, the books she reads, she's so gifted in so many areas. So it's being a bit more aware, I guess, we come back to that, like what, what I love other people to know about this is that, be kind. That's what I was going to ask you, I guess. What would you say to a, you know, a mum who has recently had a child that's been diagnosed on the on the spectrum? I'd probably um, want to give them a really big hug yeah. and tell them it's not their fault. Yeah. Because that's what we always go to as mums most times, mm-hmm. I feel. Uh, and I would be like, just just sit with it for a bit. Because there's things that you don't want to be the case that you know deep down are. And if that's about you, then that's okay. Yeah. But about your child who's relying on you to support and guide and educate them through this huge navigation process, Mm -hmm. then it's a different story. So sit down. I almost go put into like a couple of boxes of like six and go, what are the challenges that you feel that are most affecting the child right now? In all settings, because yeah. you feel like you'll, there'll be like four or five different things, but then they come back to anxiety or, um, you know, separation anxiety yep. or sensory, like they need to feel that they're in, because sensory is control. Mm. Um, the hyperactivity or the inattention, mm-hmm. 
you'll see that in lots of areas as well. But look at what, if it was you, what would you want help with? Yeah. If it was someone else's child, what would you tell them to do? What would you suggest? Yeah. Because yeah. we're great, often great at looking at things from the other angle. Yep. But... I've got people that do yeah. now drop into um, my email or DMs, DMs or they come to conversations from other people and, you know, people have got, can I, can I send this person to talk to you? You know, it is about education. It's actually having a tribe of people. And I'm I'm very lucky that I've got, you know, two or three people around me that do have children with, with you know, certain conditions. Yeah. But you still feel very alone. Yeah. So it's reaching out for help, which is really difficult. Go and to your I, GP. And I guess being as open and as vulnerable as which I which I think is what people struggle with the most right is being honest and but I, I also feel like when you are vulnerable all it takes is one person to start a conversation and you'll probably realize that wow there's actually a lot of mums going through a similar journey if somebody does share something with you where they're struggling about their child or their own mental health and you have no fucking idea about it or you don't know have any education about it be kind to them. Yeah. Invite that child to birthday parties. Yeah. That's one yeah. of our biggest. Invite that child for playdates. Yeah. Include them. Include them. But include anyone. Of like, course. There's a few Facebook pages and things that I've been in over the years and it's like, you know, the child that invites all these kids to a birthday party and no one turns up. Do you know how often that happens for children with ADHD and autism or spectrum conditions? Daily. Heartbreaking. In New South Wales. Having a little bit of empathy yeah, for how that person's going. Cause like, you know, we've all been to the person in the supermarket where the person's got a child in the ground. and uh, That used yeah. to be me. Yeah. Always, yeah. Bobby, yeah. on the floor, like barramundi out of water. Yeah, and now when it happens, I'm like, I see you, babe. Oh, you I know what I do? I normally, I, I... I go and hug them. Yeah, well, I, <laughs> people might get weirded out by that, but <laughs> I will... I give like a, a smile, like a... I, I get Are you it. okay? I get, get it. it, and yeah. like, you're doing great. Yeah. Oh, and hug the mums. I hug the mums that go yeah. into it. If I stopped sharing once I was burnt, I, I wouldn't be here. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be, and not just in this room, but who I am. I wouldn't have worked through my shit yeah. to be the person that I am. And yep. she's going to be a fucking incredible human being. Absolutely. She already is, but she's yeah. going to be so successful with the way her brain works. And she's going to do amazing things. And I think it's nice, I guess, the silver lining, um, you know, to having a, a really beautiful child like Miller and to, you know, going through that um, journey with her diagnosis is that it's helped you to yeah. find yourself really yeah. and to come home to yourself and to be the best version of yourself that you probably didn't even know existed, right? Because, you know, you've, like you mentioned, you've had that traumatic childhood mm. and you've, You've been through some shit. Mm. It's almost been like a small gift to you from yeah. her that she's been able to help you become this yeah. incredible advocate for her, but also in the same breath, like, look at you now helping others yeah. and helping other women. I just think And men. A lot of my clients that really? I do breath work are men. This is like a bit of a, a double-edged sword when I say this, yeah. so people will agree and disagree, so don't come for me. <laughs> but that point of putting yourself first as a mum if you don't do that, it's so important. If you actually don't do that, you're nothing for them. Yeah. And she has taught me because I wasn't taught it as a child mm -hmm. or as a young adult because I didn't have that support network mm -hmm. to truly put myself first and be me. And then whenever I'm overwhelmed, yeah, and running a million miles an hour or my anxiety 
my husband loves this, like like my anxiety releases to wash clothes. I've even stopped doing that as much because I've realised that I'm I'm avoiding what I'm really feeling. So I take myself for a short breath, I listen to a meditation and a short breath is like two minutes yeah. and the release that you get from that pain in your body where you're feeling or you, I get overwhelmed in my heart or your head, yeah, that mm. feeling, that stitch that I know so many people feel daily. I've got ways that I just I can teach people to do that release for themselves to move through that because something's happening for you. And then the moment I'm starting to feel that, I'm like, I need to slow down. Where's my self-care? As mothers, we do put our children first mm. so much. And there's been aspects where I do have to. And there's been parts where, you know, I've gone in and out of my career, etc. And, you know, freelancing, that can be really hard because if you're relying, you know, people are relying on you. People think that it's easier. And it's, it's so not. It's definitely not easier. But yeah, it's it's it comes back to that gift and our children are gifts and yeah. it doesn't make it that doesn't mean that it's amazing every day. Oh god. It's um, it's, it's, it's not. It's it's incredibly hard. And it's rewarding yeah. and it's yeah, it's shades of light and grey, as in all chapters of life, even marriage and everything like that. Yes. I want to thank you for being so honest on oh, here. Thank you for I me. oh my god, you've been amazing and you've just been exactly what I want every podcast guest to be and that is just raw and vulnerable and open, like open to helping others, help educate others, helping others feel less alone. It's something that I pride myself on and just even in the monotony of motherhood, like I'm all for talking about having your really shitty days and really struggling with it and then having a great day. It's just about being honest with yourself and with the people around you. So thank you so much. I truly appreciate it. I actually, I'm going to get my girlfriend. I'm going to call her on the way home from this and I'm going to tell her to contact you. Yeah, do it. Um, And I I would love to talk to her. I think she will absolutely love you as I'm sure anyone who knows you does. But, yeah, I will put your handle. Do you want – have you got, like – is there any way that people can contact you, not just for, you know, chats around – you know, what's going on with your do- like with their children potentially, but also with the breath work. Like, I mean, yeah, through I my, want to contact yeah. you for the breath work. 100%, totally. Um, um, yep, through my website, which actually is under construction, but there's a link there still, and then through my email address as well. Okay, well, so, you know what? I'll get all of this off you. Yeah, perfect. Because I think people are going to be so interested. Um, and we'll put all of Jules's details in the show notes, so there'll be plenty of ways for you to contact her. And I, I'm going to definitely get you back in for the breath work. I want to oh, understand yeah, I love the Reiki. That. I want to understand the trauma release. I want to understand it all. Yeah, well, it's just even a bit just about like having that daily awareness piece for yourself. But because even it's that, there even for you. That, it's there for you. Even that thing when you said like I had a period. I remember Brian was in Switzerland and. I was trying to finish this book and obviously yeah. I, I'm juggling the three kids on my own and I, there was three – and I always, I'm always a little bit more hormonal before my period, which I can – you know, I'm always aware of that. But this – I cried a lot every mm. day and I, I couldn't snap myself out of it, which I did feel better. Like they were like, it's good, it's releasing that. But I almost felt like I needed a little Some something to, work, to pull you. Or I just you. needed something yeah. to like centre myself again because mm. I was all over the place. But even in that, Mm. let me leave this with you. Yes. Sit with that when you're crying. Yeah. What's really going on in your body? Where is it? Ask yourself that. Because there's something that is coming up for you and that you needed to release 100%. Yeah. But what is actually going on? And when you sit with it and you feel that energy Mm. just that and you sit, 
You might be able to find out. But anyway, I, 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 I will be contacting you personally. <laughs> I'll come it. and do some Reiki. I don't even know. Do I have to lie down? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Have a nap. I'll, 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 I mean, I'll be micro-sleeping real quick. You will be. Yeah. You will be. Um, okay. I love you. Thank you for joining oh, us. Thank you so much. And it's been so amazing. I will see everybody next week. Bye for now. Mwah. Mwah. <laughs>